once again, we're glad that you're here this morning. And um, <clears throat> excuse me, and and we're glad to get to share something with you this morning um, that's um, very important in the life of our church. Um, and as you can see, things look differently. Uh, if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, we're very glad that you're here. Um, and in a way, we get to invite you into um, a, fam a family conversation, so to speak, um, as we uh, have a little uh, Q&A um, with these men here. And uh, as we wrap up this series called Remember, um, there's two things that, that we want to share with you this morning. Uh, one of those is um, our 4C survey. If you're a member here at Stone Point, you've committed to uh, several things. Um, you've committed to be in community with other believers. You've committed to serve within the body. Uh, you've committed to give generously and live on mission uh, in the community here that we, that we live in. And um, the 4C survey or the 4C assessment is a way that as a body of believers, as members, we can reaffirm that that we've committed to. So if you are a member here tomorrow, you will receive an email with that assessment. And, um, and many of you know what that is, and you've, many of you have taken it before. But please take a few moments this week uh, to fill that out for us and just let us know how the Lord is leading you. If the Lord is, is affirming within your own heart that this is where he's called you to, please let us know that. Um, if not, please let us know that as well. That's perfectly okay. But it's just a way for us as a body, uh, me included, every one of these men included, all of our leadership included, to reaffirm the commitment that we've made to the Lord, to each other here at Stone Point Church. And the second thing that we're excited to share with you this morning is the appointment of our elders. So a handful of weeks ago um, in this series, we talked about shepherding the body and what that looks like. Um, and if you're joining us um, this week for the first time or the last couple weeks, you can go back to weeks three, four, and five of this series to kind of catch up and get some context on what we're talking about this morning. But as we talked about shepherding our church and what God's Word says about that um, and how we believe the Lord is, is leading us in that, that brought us to a place a, full, a few weeks ago where we presented these three men as the elders uh, or shepherds, overseers, uh, of our body here at Stone Point. And at that time, we allowed, um, right before Snowvid, a few weeks for, um, for our body to respond, um, to give opportunity for anyone, if anyone has any claim or any, any hindrance within them against one of these men overseeing the body to come forward and to have a conversation and just share what that may be, if there's anything that we didn't know. Um, so over the last 18 to 24 months, these men along with, uh, what's that, one, two, three, four, and I'm, if I'm doing the math in my head, about seven or eight other men uh, gathered together for about two years and just did the hard work of heart work, um, coming to a place where we are today as presenting these three men. And I'm happy to say that, that since that time, a few weeks ago, no one has come forward uh, with any claim against one of these three men uh, moving forward. Uh, as overseers of our church. So as we're a handful of weeks away from our 10th anniversary here at Stone Point Church, uh, and as we wrap up this series called Remember, uh, I'm excited to say that from this point in the future, we can look back to today and we can remember um, as a milestone in our church where we did something that, that God's Word would encourage us to do, and that is to move to 
a, um, a model of biblical eldership um, for our church, which is a huge deal. It's a big deal, big deal for me. And, and I can say for these three men here, just personally, I am affirmed uh, that these are the three men that, that God would have lead our church. So, um, so the rest of our time, we're just going to kind of, I'm going to ask some questions and just give these men an opportunity to kind of let you guys know a little bit more about them. Just as, as your leaders, um, some of you may know them well, others have never met them before, but this morning you'll get just a little insight into who they are. So just to introduce them, uh, we have Charlie McMath, uh, and uh, he's married to Barbie, and uh, they have four children. Um, they have, uh, forgive me, they have Christy, Justin, and his wife Lauren, and they're actually expecting their first baby, so that would be their first grandchild. Um, they have that officially makes him an elder, right? Yes, that officially <laughs> makes him an elder. Um, so, and then they have Olivia, who is in college, and they have Hannah, who is about to graduate high school and enter into college. So they're about to be empty nesters. Um, and uh, Charlie has been in uh, public education for his entire career. He's been an athletic director. Um, he's currently semi-retired, uh, so he uh, works part time for Wills Point ISD. Um, then we have Edward Barrett. And uh, Edward is uh, married to Clarissa. Uh, they do not have any children, but they do have a farm that they take care of many animals there. Uh, Edward is a facilities coordinator for Covenant uh, School of Dallas, which is a Christian, a K through 12 Christian academy or Christian private school. And, um, and then, of course, we have Brandon uh, Bactel and his wife, Kelly. Um, they have three children. They've got Brady, Caleb, and Blakely. Um, and... Uh, Brandon is, he's been our senior pastor, um, you know, for the last 10 years. He oversees our staff. He oversees all of our ministry here at Stone Point. And, um, and from this point today, Brandon is going to join with these men in uh, overseeing our church as a whole. Um, so, so a few questions here um, as we go, just to kind of help you guys. So I've introduced them. So question number one is going to be for each of you. Um, and that is, uh, you know, could you share just a brief testimony about how um, each of you came to know the Lord um, and what that looked like? Charlie, we'll start with you. All right, my name is Charlie McMath, and uh, I grew up in a household with two parents. One went to church on a regular basis and one did not. And so I like to say I was on drugs at an early age because my mother, she drugged me to church. Um, I say that very jokingly because if it wasn't for my mother, I wouldn't be the man that I am today because my mother was faithful in her prayers for me as a parent, and she was faithful in modeling the Christian lifestyle, and that was something that I watched from afar. So encouragement to you parents out there. But when I was 16 and a half years old, only by the Lord's grace because I did not attend anything like Fellowship of Christian Athletes, but I went to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp as going into my junior year in high school. And that uh, absolutely changed my life. I met, met the Lord in a real way. Holy Spirit moved in my, my heart. It was a Thursday, June 10th, 1982, um, that I took off my jersey that said Charlie. I quit living my life for my own accord and my own desires and my own wants. And I certainly tried to put on the jersey of Jesus Christ. And I think it was evident to those who knew me at that time that the complete turnaround that my life represented and the, the zeal and zest that I had for the Lord. And I certainly have uh, had setbacks in my life. I, I coached football for years, and we called it slobber knockers. And I don't know if it's a term that we would use when our team or the other team would knock the snot out of you, literally. 
and it was a slobber knocker. And, I, and I've certainly been, certainly been slobber knocked in my life and, and experienced pain and loss like many of you have. But I've, I've had Christian men in my life and, and Christian friends that have certainly encouraged and, and, and led me on to, to be the man. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a broken vessel that's definitely a wounded vessel, but I'm excited about what the Lord has for me. And, and to do kingdom-minded things is all that matters to me. Because for years and years, I would spend all these hours game planning for an opponent. And we may win, we may lose. And sure, I'm teaching men how to become good husbands and wives and, and mauling all that for them. But I really want to do things that matters for eternity and for his kingdom. So that's where I'm at in my life today. Uh, my name is Brandon Bachtel. And um, I grew up in a home in which uh, both of my parents were actively pursuing the Lord. And they modeled that out uh, for us um, as, as kids. Um, and I put my trust in, in Jesus when I was around 12. Um, it was actually um, around Easter of 93. So, um, and followed Christ in believer's baptism. Uh, but it wasn't until probably eight or nine years later that I really, I think, began to kind of put the pieces together of my faith. I think for a long time I, um, I knew who Jesus was and, I, and felt like I trusted him, but I didn't really understand uh, all of my Bible. I didn't really understand God's plan uh, for Israel and, and what that all looked like, that Christ was the Messiah promised to them in the Old Testament. Uh, and when I began to realize that my Bible was the key to my Christian faith and that I would walk in, in that and that truth, it began to really help me grow in maturity. And so I would say that even though I came to know Christ uh, at around 12, it wasn't until my early 20s that I really felt like I began to own my faith in a way that was mine. I think before then, um, I was kind of a legalistic church kid. I'm trying to, in some ways, be like a chameleon, fit in with my environment. Um, and so I always wanted people to, to know that I love God. Um, but it, it wasn't until I really began to pursue that and uh, in just his, his word that I began to grow in maturity. And that was really helpful for me because God's word helped me um, to realize that it pertains to everything between life and godliness, as Peter says. And as I grew in my Bible, uh, it also helped me just have solidarity in my faith because uh, the Bible is a reliable book that has stood the test of time. And it just helped me really begin to grow in ways that were fruitful in ways that I didn't really grow uh, in my early church experience. I'm Edward, Edward Barrett, and um, when I was nine, um, my grandmother had introduced me to Christ, and um, I, I accepted Jesus as my, as my Savior, um, more so for fire insurance um, at that time. I, I kind of had a, a, a I, uh, I could say I, I knew about God, but I didn't really know Him. Um, I went to Sunday school, church with my parents um, growing up. Um, but that was Sunday. The rest of the of the week, I didn't look any different with, from anybody else, and um, I really didn't have. I, I kind of led a life of rebellion up until about 12 years ago. I, I ran into a um, a recovery ministry, and um, I wrestled with that for a long time. And about 10 years ago, um, was when I really um, gave my heart to Jesus and had a had a relationship with him and finally knew what he, what he did on the cross for me. Um, and, um, since then I've just had a growing relationship with him, just learning and being discipled by, by other godly men and, um, just learning what it looks like to, to be the hands and feet of Christ. So. Thank you guys.
So, um, so question number two um, is going to be specifically for you, Edward. Um, what is the most challenging part of becoming an elder to you? One thing for sure is being up here talking to you guys. That's really hard. I'm just I'm not going to lie. It's, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> it's a little awkward. But um, regardless of that, that's um, where the Lord has me. So um, I'd say it's, it's kind of twofold. Uh, one, just the, the, the weight of um, being responsible for, for the entire body. That's, that's one aspect of it, and I won't talk about that. But what I will talk about is just... Um, 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 talks about um, follow me as I follow Christ. And with every decision that I, that I make in my life, um, I have to determine, am I going to glorify myself or am I going to glorify God? But then add on um, the impact of my family and then the impact of the, um, this local expression of the body of Christ. That weighs heavily on my mind. And um, just, the, uh, just the, the magnitude of, of that is... Is really weighty and very thoughtful about thinking about through that. Thank you, now, Charlie. Um, as a shepherd of our church, um, can you explain the enormity of giving an account to God? Absolutely, the enormity of giving an account to God is overwhelming. That verse is really from uh, Hebrews thirteen seventeen, I believe. But when Brandon first approached me, I guess the summer of 2008-19, I told him I was not your guy, because, and he just encouraged me to come on, and and then even Matthew 18.6, I believe, says that it's better for a millstone, a large millstone, to be tied around your neck and you cast into the depths of the, of the sea than to cause the least of these to stumble. So even then, I was like, I'm I'm here, but I'm I'm not here, and I and I struggled with that with, with these group of men for, for some time. And as late as even this past December of 2020, when I kind of bailed out, I said, "I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this. This is not me." And, and again, even in James 3:1, talks about it's uh, the enormous task of being a teacher. You're going to be held to a higher standard, and 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 I don't want any part of that because because I was just, I don't I don't feel called to that. Well, like I told you earlier, I was saved at a young age, and I thought I I want to go into ministry, and I went into the ministry and education and the coaching profession because I had a heart for kids. And I've done that, but to be a pastor was always to me, I'm not worthy of that high calling and that standard. I'll call someone else to stumble um, because I know my heart and the, the broken vessel that I am. So that enormity was, was heavy on me. So I bailed out in December, and then the Holy Spirit just stirred in me that because that, I'm, I'm semi-retired now, I have margin in my schedule to do this. I, my heart is to be about the Lord's business, but I didn't feel worthy of this um, title, if you will. So I kind of came back in and said, "Hey, Holy Spirit, steering on me, you know, stirring my spirit." And anyway, they, here I am today, sitting in front of you. But even a month ago, when when uh, I guess Brandon first introduced Edward and I, that morning I got up and told my bride, who's you know we're one in Christ, and she's my best friend, and I cherish and adore her. I told her I don't know if this is for me. And she just encouraged me by one phrase. She said, would you rather follow in the footsteps of Moses or would you rather follow in the footsteps of Jonah? And just and, and, and her paraphrase and, and saying that is you need you need to do this. Um, so that's 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 the enormity. I definitely feel that I, I definitely there's other men that are certainly qualified that are sitting amongst amongst you. Um, but here I am. So. 
been such a cool, I think, part of the process is um, the number of guys who at certain points just get, I'm out, or, hey, I'm back in, or I'm out, you know, and just the hard conversations that took place, you have absolutely no idea how difficult it was to look at another man and say, hey, man, this is, this is why we're stepping back at this point, or even for us to go, hey, I'm going to step back at this point. And I know that every one of us and many of the men out here that have affirmed us in this calling have wrestled a lot through, asked hard questions, um, wrestled with pieces of Scripture that we weren't all in agreement on, and just time after time. And, and it was really cool because from the onset, Charlie was like, I'm going to come. But I remember him, if you don't mind me sharing this, but I remember him at one point, he didn't even read some of the, our, our book that we were reading. And he's like, I'm not reading it because I don't, I don't have any desire to do this. I'm supporting you. But he just confessed to our whole group. Like, I didn't even read it. Like, I didn't read that chapter. And uh, some of that. Yeah. When I was an athletic director in Corpus Christi, we had, you know, 17 secondary campuses and we had over 300 coaches and athletic trainers. I don't even know them all. And, and obviously I'm accountable to the UIL and the Texas Education Agency for what we do and do it professionally in a in the way we're manner we're supposed to do it, but I didn't know them all. And here, obviously, it's a it's a tremendously more higher calling, obviously, because we're we're talking about eternity. To not know people in Edgewood, or to not know somebody that's in this that's sitting in the pews here, because I'm in the back doing children's ministry, and never we never make eye contact, and so I was just overwhelmed at, at that for sure. So. Yeah, but it's been really cool to watch that tension play out and then just see how the Lord, through his Holy Spirit and his conviction, has has brought people around. It's been really cool. Yep, yep, I agree. Amen. Yep. So um, next question uh, will be for you, Brandon. Um, what excites you most about our church moving towards biblical eldership? So I, I think for me, um, it's... It's been a long time coming. While we've always had men who have been in the trenches of ministry here, and I think we've always had a plurality of leaders. I can't think of one decision we've ever made here where it's been one or two of us. There's always been three or four or five guys in the room and always had to have a completely unified yes for us to move forward. And that's from um, ministries that maybe inaugurate or kick off. I can remember when we started Regen and having to have solid decisions from a campus in Edgewood. Like just had to be really solid consensus in every time we did that, even adding services. Um, but as faithful as like a Dick Patterson has been over the last decade, um, we just really sensed that the Lord wanted us to have a plurality of leaders um, to help share the responsibility and not only leading our church, but also helping our church realize that the leadership here is not invested in one man. And I think you see me teach a lot. And I think there's a lot of people here that would say, uh, because of him teaching, if I could just get an hour alone with him, he can really help fix my marriage or he can give me some insight into uh, what decisions I need to make financially. And a lot of times people think, well, he's the guy who has all the answers. And, and if I can just get some time with him, then that'll help fix me. And what I just would want you to realize is that I am one of many qualified men that can help point you to Scripture and help remind you of who God is and the calling that he's placed on your life. And for me, it is just a breath of fresh air to go into the next season of ministry and really from here on knowing that there's a plurality of leaders that are sharing the responsibility and the oversight of the church which means that even though you see me teach, 
every decision from here on is a plurality of men, that it's not Brandon's the lead guy. I am just one of men, uh, one of three men leading our church. I think about Ecclesiastes 4, though, and just what it looks like that a threefold cord is not easily broken. Um, that when one falls down, that somebody can help pick them up. Or that when somebody is cold, that there is someone there to help make sure that they're warm. And that's what I feel like. I feel like, that for me, it's just a, a great relief to know that our church can be led by a plurality of men who are focused on, on Christ and who desire to see his bride be blameless and spotless and, and pursue the Lord together, and which means we now are acting as one. And uh, it's just encouraging to me, and also I think it's going to be the most fruitful thing for us uh, as we continue to pursue the Lord together. Cool. Yeah, thank you. So um, this uh, next question will be for all three of you. Um, so uh, if there is one main area of growth that you believe we should uh, focus on in the next year, that's our church, um, what would it be and why? Uh, Edward, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so, it's uh, a good question. That's a really good question. Um, <laughs> no, I'll just collect my little, little thoughts here. Um, I think discipleship in the context of, um, well, discipleship in Christ, you know, um, Christ desires an intimate relationship with us. And, and I believe that the, the best way to, to grow that is in community. Um, the Acts 2 church had everything in common. And um, what we have in common is Christ. And, and what better way to grow in him is if we do it in community. Um, for, for me, how um, I started to grow in Christ was through community. I used to say terms like, you know what I mean, and, and stuff like that. I was kind of vague with how I shared my life with people. But then as um, faithful men um, pursued me, um, it kind of got me out of that hiding and, and into what was really going on with my life. And then they would encourage me uh, to, to, to read God's Word. I mean, um, when, when Adam and Eve sinned, um, God came after them. You know, he pursued them. Um, and likewise, we need to pursue him after we've, um, as we've come to know him, just, um, sanctification, um, through community, I think is a beautiful thing. And, and I feel like we should double down on that. Well, the thing I thought of with that was uh, one word unity, that we need to be unified as a body in Christ and and as a coach for the years that I've coached, you know, there's been times when we've had great talent and but haven't had success. But there's been also times when we had mediocrity. We had just the average Joes in the locker room, but they would die to their selfish and, and pride and, and become unified and selfless and were able to accomplish great things. And so I, I think a unity. I also think in, in 2002, you had the, when we hadn't heard about the Patriots dynasty or Tom Brady. But in 2002, the Patriots played the Rams in the Super Bowl. And in that Super Bowl, they introduced the starting lineups one by one. And so the, the Rams got introduced, their offensive unit, those 11 players were introduced, and their names were announced in front of millions of people. But the Patriots didn't announce anybody individually. They came out as one with one purpose, you know, rallying passionately behind the, the drive to be one. And they upset the Rams 20 to 17 and won that Super Bowl. In essence, started a dynasty that was uh, probably second to none in sports for over a decade. 
So unity is what I would say. And, and I recently I'm studying Paul and the apostles that he wrote from prison. I'm doing that with a group of men this spring. And I know Paul, he traveled thousands of miles and went to several countries, you know, proclaiming Jesus Christ and his saving grace, but also planting churches. But in that, he and then he became in prison for four years, and he wrote Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and Philemon. And in, and in Ephesians chapter 4, he specifically talks about unity. And and so I, I would we'll hope our church is unified as we move forward and, and certainly not divided. And whether we've had great success, and we certainly have had, or we've had failures, we fumbled the football. We pick it up and move on. And I know when I, if I was talking to my football team when I was the head coach and and if I said what's the most important play, they would all, any of them, would echo in unison the next play. And it would be a loud rally cry the next play. So it doesn't matter if we scored a touchdown, you're looking at it, look at me, look what all I did to the student, to the athlete that may do that or the one that has got his head down because he missed a tackle, a block, or fumbled a ball or whatever. It's the most important play is the next play. And Isaiah 43, 18 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And so I, I, I would say to our church body, what's the next play for us? What's next? And so we don't we don't look over our shoulder quarrelsome about the past or looking at, at our accolades, but we look to the future. And if we're too busy looking over our shoulder, we'll trip over the future. Right on. And real real quick before you answer, I say praise the Lord for the practicality <laughs> that a coach uh, brings to to this group of men right here. Um, uh, thank you, Charlie. Just just for that, I get it. I'm I'm with you. So it's crazy because you're like, man, I need, I don't have all these analogies, and he's got like thousands of them. Yeah. Um, so I would say for uh, for me, I, I mean, I echo what these guys um, say. I think unity is a huge deal. I think um, you know, living in community is is absolutely huge, and that would actually be the second part of mine. I would say my first part is I would strongly desire to see every single person sitting here, joining us online in Edgewood, every single person reading their Bible daily. I would really love for us as believers in Christ to grow up in maturity, stop making excuses for the lack of time or um, just our laziness, I think, quite frankly, and really dive into God's Word. And the reason why is we grow in God's Word and the knowledge of His Word, and we begin to abide with Him on a daily basis um, as we, as Colossians 2, 6, and 7, just so then as we receive Christ as Lord, we continue to be rooted, built up, strengthened in faith, overflowing with thankfulness. As we do that, it changes everything about us. And I think a lot of times, some of the things that we wrestle with uh, one another about are really clear in Scripture. And, and I think the challenge is, is that we're not abiding in Scripture enough to be convicted by the things that God really wants to move us to. And so what happens, I think, is, is kind of the, the headbutting of so, some sorts of what we oftentimes do as believers. Well, who are you to tell me this? Or isn't that, I mean, I think we can come at it at lots of different angles. And um, sometimes we even say, hey, it's legalistic to require this of me. And I get, I understand legalism. I lived there a long time. Um, but what I would say is under God's grace is to know that we have his word and we can share that. Um, in an experience with him, but also with one another. And I would say one of the most fruitful things for me over the last handful of years is also to live in community. And I think where I would say that where I've learned is I've grown in God's word and been accountable to other people in God's word and growing in community, it's helped me realize what community is and what community isn't. 
Um, and what I thought community was a decade ago was glorified Sunday school. I really thought it was more time committed to one another. So Sunday school, you get 45 minutes, uh, 15 of it's taken by eating donuts, and then you have a guy um, lecture, you, you, you leave out of there, and you're energized, like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about the Bible, and then you go, and then you meet again the next week. Well, I thought journey groups kind of helped expand that. We had more time together. We ate a meal together. Uh, we had Bible study and discussion together. But the problem was we continued to just commit ourselves to a meeting, and um, what I feel now compelled to realize is that it's not about the meeting, it's about the people that you're committing to. And by God's grace, God put a few people in my life a handful of years ago that have helped shape what community is. And one of the things that I think we got to double down on is community in a way that blesses our our church. And, and that's something I learned from Edward and Clarissa. Like I, I just didn't know what community was. I thought community was a, a gathering that we would cancel at Christmas, take a month off. Summers, we would take some time off. And, and I remember canceling the first one. Um, and I was with in community with Edward. And he's like, Hey bro, I'm gonna. I would like to talk on the phone, and and he's like, Hey man, why? What do we can't like? Help me understand what we're canceling. Bro, I'm like, dude, we're just all. I'm tired. Like it's spring break, man. I got stuff to. He's like, No, like we don't cancel community. Like you don't cancel community. And he's like, If you need to take spring break, go do that. But the rest of us need to gather, and that was foundational for me. Like when I realized that community wasn't something we canceled, and it wasn't something that was convenient, it changed. It changed me. Um, and it changed me because community is a, is a people that I've committed to. And it's a, it's, somebody, it's a group of people that I said, hey, we're going to yoke ourselves together with. And then when we began to confess sin, like just straight up say, hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is where I've wrestled. This is where when me and my wife have fought. When we unpack that in front of the entire journey group. Um, when we're in tears and my wife's in tears and everything around us is chaotic and like, here we go, we unpack all of that. Like we just get to a new level. And, and that's what's been incredible is to see people confess sin, stop in the middle of our meeting and just pray for one another and um, continue to have shared experiences together. It's been really fruitful for me. Um, something that it's difficult to convey until you're in it, um, but definitely something that I think we've got to press into as far as moving forward is reading our Bibles and sharing that with other people in community. Yeah, and, and for... Church, for, for me, just hearing this, um, I just see this as just kind of a baseline level for the vision of our church from this point forward, is, is, is I hear um, discipleship in community, and then Brandon's description of that discipleship in community, and then you know the unity that Charlie desires does not come about apart from those two things. Um, we can't we can't disciple ourselves in isolation. Uh, we can't be, we're not going to be unified with anything in isolation. Um, and we're not going to confess anything if we're in isolation. Uh, so these three things come about from just connecting with one another in community. And as Brandon said, God's word is uh, John 15, 5. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. And uh, none of this happens if we are not individually abiding with the Lord and connecting with Him. We're not going to seek unity. We're not going to seek discipleship. We're not going to seek confession. Uh, we're not going to be graceful. Um, so thank you, men, for, for that. Um, and it's just, it's, 
It's a blessing to me in my heart just to see where the Lord has the three of you. And uh, by that church, if you don't see, this is where the Lord has our church. And just the response of these three men on some of those simple questions gives a picture as to where we are now, where the Lord is going to carry us from this point. Um, and I'm excited to see the Lord use these three men collectively um, to help us get there. Um, so at this point, I want to call up um, uh, the men that we've shared the last 18 to 24 months with. If y'all guys will come up here. If you don't know, um, we spent a good deal of time over the last two years just meeting together. I'd like to call their wives as well, if y'all would join us. Um, I, we spent a good deal of time together just asking, as Brandon said, good questions and working through um, a lot of things. And uh, we come to a point now, kind of a, a culmination of all of that. Um, in Acts chapter 13, um, you can read of uh, where the Holy Spirit says to set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. And he sets them apart. And then the church at Antioch, they gather together, they lay hands on them and they pray for them and they send them out. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, uh, Paul tells Timothy, he says, do not be hasty in the laying on of hands of others, uh, but take your time. Don't take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. And I can testify before you this morning, church, along with these men, that we have not been hasty in this process at all. Uh, it has been slow. It's been arduous at times. There's been difficult conversations. But we've come to a point in the life of our church where we feel, and I can speak for these men and just the response from the body over the last several weeks um, and the Lord's affirmation of his call on Edward, on Brandon, and Charlie. So at this point, we're going to lay hands on these men. And uh, church, if you would join us in just praying over them, praying over their wives um, for the ministry that is to come. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity, the ability, Lord, the the blessing and the privilege, Lord, to stand here before you, before our church, Lord. And, um, and by the power, Lord, in your name, Lord, you give us to, to appoint these men, Lord. I thank you for the call that you placed on their lives, Lord, and the response to that call. I thank you for the time that I was able to spend personally with them and having conversations and discussions and answering questions, Lord, um, just to work to this moment. Lord, I pray for their hearts and their minds. I pray for wisdom and discernment. Lord, your word says that many are the plans in a, in a man's heart, but it is you that establishes their steps, Lord. And I just pray from this point forward, Lord, that you would establish their steps. Lord, I pray for Clarissa and for Kelly and for Barbie. Lord, as they support their husbands, Lord. Lord, I pray for continual wisdom for them, Lord, to speak into their lives and into their, their husbands and time, Lord, for encouragement. Or I pray for each of those men, Lord, for, for times of, of admonishment, for there to be admonishment. In times of exhortation, there would be exhortation. In times of confession, there would be confession, Lord, that they would lean upon one another, Lord, to bear the weight of the ministry here at Stone Point Church, God. That you would be glorified in what they do, Lord. That our church would be edified, by what you do through them, um, Lord. And I just, um, I thank you for that, Lord. And I thank you for what is to come, um, that you would use these men in this body to do miraculous, wonderful things, uh, Lord, in the community around us. And it's in your name that I pray.
I do thank you. Lord, I thank you for the last 10 years, Lord, and in the ministry that you've bestowed upon us. Lord, 11 years ago, none of us had this picture in mind, and we, most of us didn't have Stone Point in mind, but you did, Lord, and I thank you for that. I thank you for guiding us to this point. God, I thank you for the many blessings, Lord, and as we lift up these men and their wives, Lord, I want to lift up our body for all those that are here in Edgewood online, Lord. God, pierce their hearts. Open their eyes to what you have for them, Lord. God, bring unity to us all. God, as we follow you, give us the wisdom to follow these men, how you would take them, Lord. And give us all courage, Lord, as we we live in a dying world, Lord, and we are called to be the light. And I pray, God, that you will continue, Lord, to use us as the light. And all the lives that have been changed over the last 10 years, God, I thank you. But God, I thank you even more for those that are coming. Mm -hmm. Lord, for as in in John, you you said, I pray not only for for them, but for those who will come to know you through them, Lord. That is how we pray this morning, God. We thank you for blessing us. We thank you for loving us. And Jesus, we thank you for dying for us. Mm -hmm. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, church, um, our elders, let's give the Lord a hand. Praise the Lord. If you guys will stand with us, we're going to sing a song as we close our time this morning. And I pray, Lord, from this point that you would be blessed, our church would be blessed, and that you'd have a great week of worship.